Welcome back to another episode of the Into the Night Minute. Each week, Movies by Minute hosts examine the 1985 John Landis-directed comedy, Into the Night, one minute of screen time per episode. I'm Chris Ramirez, uh, co-host of Minute Impossible, another Movies by Minute, uh, where we break down the Mission Impossible franchise one minute at a time. Uh, We are currently on Mission Impossible 2, so go check us out at MinuteImpossible.com. Today, we are at Minute 17 of Into the Night. So we start minute 17 off where we left off yesterday. Basically, Ed is pulling into LAX, uh, middle of the night, LAX's parking lot. Now, I've been to LAX a lot. I lived in LA for four or five years, and I've been over there quite a bit. Uh, I've never seen LAX this empty, to tell you the truth. And I've been there all sorts of hours, and it's always, always crazy. It's one of those things where I've, I've, I've honestly gone, left LAX at least four or five times, maybe six times in a year and I've never at all hours of the day I've never seen it that that empty but you know this is movies and and sure enough it can be empty like that so anyway Ed is pulling into uh, uh, the parking garage there he gets his ticket pulls in and parks his car immediately we go from that to our introduction to Diane like Princess Diana like Diana sorry like Princess Diana we're introduced to her coming out of an elevator with another gentleman who's uh, carrying most of her bags, it seems. Immediately, uh, as we're introduced to her and this gentleman, a grayish silver Mercedes pulls up to uh, the elevator that they're walking out of. And out come four uh, henchmen, it seems, who immediately grab uh, the gentleman that was with Diana and um, stab him just right there in front of her in, in the parking garage. Now, here our film begins to really twist and turn uh, as this man is stabbed and Diana starts screaming and one of the uh, henchmen grabs her. Uh, The henchman who's grabbing her happens to be our director, John Landis, uh, making his cameo in the film uh, here. And Diana is played by the lovely and beautiful uh, Michelle Pfeiffer. Now, interestingly enough, Michelle was not the first choice for this film. She'd had uh, two other fairly big roles prior to this uh the one previous was in scarface where she played uh uh al pacino's uh girlfriend and uh you know sort of the the femme fatale in that film but before that she was in greece too the infamous greece too where she played uh, one of the leads like i said she wasn't the first choice the first choice who was actually accepted and was about to start filming was jamie lee curtis who uh landis had just worked with on trading places jamie lee was was the one that he'd wanted he'd asked her to do it she was all for it and then she was offered the role in Perfect, uh, the infamous film Perfect with John Travolta, uh, where he plays a Rolling Stones, a Rolling Stone writer who is uh, doing a piece on the aerobics uh, world, the aerobics craze that had happened in the mid 80s, the early 80s. And it was infamous because it was John Travolta and uh, it was made for a lot of money, and it made absolutely no money. And it's just one of those films, I think it's on Amazon still, it was recently. Uh, it's just one of those films that is so bad. But, you know, there was so much hype about it because it was John Travolta and Jamie Lee Curtis, and they were in little outfits, and they were working out, 
And Travolta had already had kind of a hit a bumpy road at this point. He'd said no to a lot of films such as, uh, you know, American Gigolo and uh, An Officer to Gentleman and had done instead things like Two of a Kind and Staying Alive. So, yeah, uh, he had he did had done Urban Cowboy, which was a huge hit. Uh, so he still had some cred, but he's starting to starting to hit the skids and but jamie lee curtis took that role instead of this one and honestly i'm grateful for that as much as i love jamie lee and i loved her in, in trading places uh it's one of my favorite john landis films as well uh it's very very funny but michelle brings something to this role that is is so unique because you don't if you'd seen the film when i saw it back in 85 or if you saw it when it first came out at all michelle pfeiffer was kind of an unknown and so was jeff globum even jeff jeff had just done he had the Big Chill and a couple other roles. He was in the first Death Wish, oddly enough. And he had uh, Buckaroo Banzai coming out very soon after this. But it was really just the, the Big Chill was his big thing. And so these sort of unknowns uh, playing these parts gave you a sense of not knowing what to expect, not knowing where the film was going to take you, not knowing who was safe, who wasn't safe, uh, not knowing if you could trust somebody or not. And at this point, Ed hasn't met Diana yet, but Diana is is a very mysterious woman. Uh, you could say, you know, if we're going the film noir route with this film, she is the spider woman of this film, the femme fatale. But at this point, we're just intrigued by what's going on. Uh, like I said, the, these four henchmen come out and, and grab Diana and attack her gentleman uh, friend who is uh, with her in this moment. And this moment to me has a lot of uh, the same sort of feelings of uh, American Werewolf in London. There's scenes in that film that will stick in my memory forever, probably way past my, my lifespan even, that I saw when I was maybe seven eight years old that i shouldn't have been seen and i was just shocked by them and in this moment i when her friend her gentleman friend is stabbed in the stomach and the blood comes out of his mouth slowly it felt very much like uh, the energy and the the feel of american world of london and maybe the background the red background as well that that gives it a bit of a of a contrast to him in the blood so that there's this shock to the moment but the way that the henchmen run out and they attack her and the shot choices that that Landis is choosing to to use for this uh, moment are, are really, really interesting because they, they build up the tension of the moment. And, and it's like you're in a completely different film. It's like the reel shifted, you know, back in the days when films shifted from reel to reel every 20 minutes. Uh, this would be about a moment that a reel would come up. So theoretically, you know, if you didn't know anything about this movie, you could be watching it and thinking, oh, wow, did they put the right movie together here or did they put the right reel next Uh because it literally comes out of nowhere. You cut from Ed parking to this other parking garage. And had it not been the same parking garage, you may have thought, oh, wow, I don't know if this is the right movie that I'm watching. Because it does come really out of the blue. But it, it, in such a way that, that this idea of, of the characters being thrown together is, it, it, it is, is perfect. You know, it, it, the way that they throw the characters together in this moment is really, really great. Now, this sort of film where you, you know, you, you're throwing these two separate types of characters together to go on this adventure or go on this uh, mystery together is, is something that, that I personally really like in a film. I like when there's a, there's a lead who doesn't really know what he's being put into and, and being asked to rise, rise above the occasion and rise above his own feelings of his abilities and become a better person or whether it be male or female, but become the, the hero of their own life, as it were, or of their own situation and take control of it. And, and in this film in particular, Particular, you know, Ed Jeff Goldman's character is so utterly unhappy with his life that that when this moment comes, he just goes with it. I mean, maybe not not the way he thought he would, maybe not the way that he he, he most of us would, but you know, he, he goes with this moment. 
and and the film seems to do that too. It, it kind of wanders around, kind of dreamlike, and 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 motivated by by one scene to the next. As you've seen in the first seventeen minutes, as we are in minute seventeen, each minute motivates the next minute. As we see here, this minute's going to motivate what happens here with this gentleman and Diana will motivate our next moment when she's meeting, when Diana finally does run into Ed and, and so on and so forth. We Ed is at this moment right now because of everything that's happened to him from the first time we've seen him, from the traffic, from his, from his day at, at, at work, from going home early and catching his wife, from, from everything that we've seen that's led him to this moment. And everything he does moving forward will lead him to the end of this film and, and and so for somebody to say that this character isn't for anybody to say this character doesn't do anything he does stuff but he just does it in his own life he does it for himself he does it for diana he does it for the right reasons in his head uh he's he, he he's become this this sort of hero in his own life and and it works out for him, I think, you know, at least at least the way he's doing it. But I think it's a great choice to have both Goldblum and Pfeiffer work together. I think they, they do have a lot of chemistry together when they get together. And I, I think that there was the right choice on, on Landis's part. Now, you know, the movie may not have been a huge hit because they weren't n- name names as they are now. But now, you know, nowadays we look at Michelle Pfeiffer and go, wow, that's she was Catwoman. She's, you know, Dangerous Liaisons. Uh She's got a, a huge, you know, fabulous Baker boy. She's got a huge career in, uh, behind her now. But at this point, she didn't. She had Grease two and, and Scarface and the Hollywood Nights. If you'd ever seen that one, uh, that was one of her first roles. And I think she was also she was also in the uh, the Delta House pilot uh, of Animal House, if I remember correctly. Let me look that up real quick. I believe that she was, uh, which I believe is where one of the places that Landis may have known her from originally. The Delta House was a, a pilot that was shot. It was actually a TV series. It ran 12 episodes that was based on Animal House, which was John Landis's uh, first big film. So it's kind of comes full, full circle for Pfeiffer to be working with him on this film. But yeah, so she hadn't really done a whole lot. And Goldblum, like I said, hadn't really done a lot either. So bringing them together for this film made this film what it is today. And I'm grateful for it because I love, I really love this film. Did it affect the box office? Yes, probably. But also I think uh, Landis's reputation at this point also affected the box office because he wasn't, he, he had just come off of his, the negativity of impressed from his uh, Twilight Zone incident. And it was all over the news and it was constantly day in day out on your on your daily morning and night and nightly news so it wasn't like like when people saw you know and i think i think it may have been universal just trying to say hey this this is a great film but we need to kind of you know play it down a little bit because we don't want to get any negative press from it we don't want to get any anything that 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 can affect us even further or any protests eight months later you know he had eight nine months later he had Spies Like Us come out, but that also had the power of Dan Aykroyd starring and Chevy Chase starring. Uh, so, and it, and it was a full blown comedy that was that was based on you know that was playing off of the old road trip films uh, that uh, Hope and Crosby used to do. This was an unknown. This was very much a thriller, but it was also a comedy. But it was also not. I mean, it, it's kind of a, a all over the place sort of film. And it's hard to sell, you know. I mean, the poster—if you've seen the poster—it's it's very simple poster. It's it's Ed and and uh, Diana running away from a pair of lights over with the LA landscape behind them. So it's not really like the most like, hey, yeah, let me see that movie poster. And it came out in February, which at the time wasn't really the the big launching ground like it is nowadays. Uh, back then, January, February was kind of uh, you know 
low-end dumping ground for movies. And so so this movie did kind of get unceremoniously dumped, even though it's a great film. But like I said, you know, if you grew up in the 80s, you saw HBO and you had HBO, you saw this film. This film was running all the time. Now, because it was R-rated, it probably only ran at night. So a lot of us kids at the time probably didn't see it. Uh, I know I did, but that's, again, because I looked for it and I watched it because I loved it. But it's one of those films that... Um, you know, that is, is, is motivated in a very specific way as far as plot is concerned. And I really like the way that that land has put it together and the way it's shot and edited and, and, and put and and builds to a to a point where it's it's a tipping point. And as you get to those minutes later, you'll see what I mean. Each minute motivates the next, like I said earlier, and those minutes push it to a point where you really have a nice buildup and the characters Start to tar- start to become involved in something more so than than you would even you even even know where it's going. And if you've never seen the film, you really don't know where it's going <laughs> and why it's going there. But eventually, you figure it out, and 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 it's a it's a great joy as it builds up to its finale. But this minute ends with uh, with John Landis's uh, mute Iranian henchman grabbing Diana and trying to keep her quiet as she screams. And her uh, gentleman friend falls to the ground. Uh, that's all I have for this minute. Before I go, I'd like to let you know that you can find the Into the Night podcast on iTunes and Google Play or at the main site, nightminute.com. You can also find us on social media at The King Lives Listener's Limo on Facebook and on Twitter at Night Minute. You can find me, Chris Ramirez, and my co host, Jonathan Howell, at minuteimpossible.com. Or you can also find our podcast on iTunes and Google Play, or anywhere you find your podcasts from. You can, you can join us on social media at The Impossible Minute Force on Facebook or at Min Impossible on Twitter and Minute Impossible on Instagram. I've been Chris Ramirez. Thank you for joining me, and come back tomorrow for another minute of Into the Night. Do we thank you or what? I'd say I fall in the or what category.